the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Folks, welcome to the Eric Metaxas Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Welcome to the Eric Metaxas Show. Did you ever see the movie The Blob starring Steve McQueen? The blood-curdling threat of The Blob. Well, way back when, Eric had a small part in that film, but they had to cut his scene because The Blob was supposed to eat him, but he kept spitting him out. Oh, the whole thing was just a disaster. Anyway, here's the guy who's not always that easy to digest, Eric Metaxas. Hey there, folks. This is the Eric Metaxas Show. We are going to play a special Socrates in the studio event with Stephen Collins. Don't forget to go to SocratesInTheCityPlus.com and subscribe. Welcome to the first edition of Socrates in the Stockyards. Can I say that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You've been a great audience. Good night. Um, actually, we have done Socrates in Fort Worth several times before. But the weird thing is that last year, when we did the Socrates in the City event in Houston, it was scheduled uh, on October 12th, which just happens, uh, it happened last year, uh, to be my wedding anniversary. Yes, yes. It's a bummer. It's a bummer that on my wedding, I got to work on my wedding anniversary. What's that all about? But this year... And this is really freaky. This has to be God, because we think of the odds, right? But this year, uh, October 12th, which is today, is also our wedding anniversary. (laughs) It's like, when you do the math, that's just crazy. But I do want to say to my lovely wife, uh, happy anniversary, baby. 27, 27 years. They say... They say that the first 27 years uh, are the toughest, because it's been hell, hasn't it? It's been hell. But they say the first 27 years is the toughest. So from here on in, it's like smooth sailing, honey. It's going to be good. It's going to be at least, at least in my mind. It's going to be perfect. Um, okay, so uh, a couple of things uh, before we begin. First of all, um, so this is the Fort Worth Club. And we're thrilled to be here back at the Fort Worth Club. Uh, I forgot that the Fort Worth Club has an affiliation with Will Rogers. Some of you uh, are old enough to get that reference. The American comedian, uh, humorist Will Rogers, right? But he, he, he hung out at this club. This was his club. We did an event in Seattle at the Arctic Club, and Sophie Tucker was hanging out at that club. A little different from Will Rogers, but both comedians, both people that I value, and if you don't, I don't care. I just want to mention that. My guest tonight, um, the reason I wrote my book, Is Atheism Dead?, and there are copies of it, in the, I think it's the only book we have here of mine and Dr. Collins's book, but the reason I wrote it is because uh, I was in 
uh, Albuquerque, uh, and somebody said to me, have you met Dr. Stephen Collins? He's the archaeologist who discovered biblical Sodom. And I said, wait a minute, are you, are you serious? Like that sounds, you know, you hear a lot of stuff. Um, and I looked into it, and I think it might be true. So we're going we're gonna to discuss that um, tonight. Uh, but people make a lot of claims about a lot of stuff. Uh, for example, a year and a half ago, uh, we had somebody at Socrates in the city, uh, uh, an el- elderly gent uh, in his mid-80s, who claimed to my face that he had flown to the moon. Yeah. Uh, and that he had walked on its surface and drove a dune buggy around. And I thought, what, what do you think, I'm like a, an idiot? Like, I'm a, like, a, like a babe in the woods, I'm going to buy your story, sir? I'm no babe in the woods, folks, okay? <laughs> Have you ever seen a babe in the woods? It will freak you out, because how did it get there, right? Uh, but uh, I, I looked into his story, and it turned out it was true. Uh, and you can watch that at our Socrates and City uh, site, SocratesandCity.com, or at a YouTube channel. But he actually had walked on the moon. And the funny thing is, when you, when you interview somebody who's walked on the moon, literally, uh, you're not really interested in his other credentials. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, what's his CV? Where did he go to school? You know, what books does he publish? Who cares? He walked on the moon. Like, that's it. Well, that's basically how I feel about my guest today. Who cares about, you know, all the other stuff that Dr. Stephen Collins has done? He's an archaeologist who, uh, I can tell you without any question, uh, has made one of the greatest discoveries in the history of archaeology, and uh, it, it's real, it's true, it's not really debatable, frankly, it's not at all debatable, you know, I mean, some people think, like, whether the earth is flat is debatable, uh, if you're one of those people, don't talk to me later, because I don't have any patience for that stuff, but that's kind of how uh, I feel about the discovery of biblical Sodom, when you look into the details, you know, when you really look into it, you realize there's no question. There's no question. There, you know, there's always going to be scholars, detractors and stuff, because um, there are some weird things, right? Like, you know, at some level, uh, at, you know, 1900 B.C. level, they discovered, you know, like a, a G.I. Joe um, <laughs> and some rock'em, sock'em robots, you know. And like a lot of people say, I think it might be the 1970s, you know. Uh, but uh, we're going to ask him about those discoveries. Uh, it is really just an amazing privilege for me uh, to have in this room at this uh, Socrates in the City event the great Dr. Stephen Collins. <laughs> Your story is so fascinating, and I don't know where to begin, except I think at the beginning. You, um, let, me, let me ask you some really pedestrian questions first. Um, when did you know that you wanted to be an archaeologist? High school. Really? Yeah. I don't know why they offered it. But they they offered, offered it in high school? Th- yeah, they offered Where did you go to high school? Sandia High School in Albuquerque. Give them a shout out. They offered an elective in yeah. anthropology and archaeology, and I took it, and I went, wow. Okay, so then you went to college and you studied in college? Anthropology at the University of New Mexico. It seems to me that anybody who goes into the field of archaeology would have to 
have in the back of his mind the dream that he would make some astonishing discovery. Um, was, was that in your mind? No. 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 You're saying I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> when you go into archaeology, you just, you like archaeology. Yeah. You like the process. You like what's happening. Um, you like discovering things, but you really don't know what's in the ground. You don't know what's out there. So you really don't have a particular thing in mind. Now, that might happen along the way. Yeah. Which eventually did for me. Yeah. But going in, not particularly. You just like the subject, and it's not rocket scientists. It, some oh, no, people, most archaeologists are, are very dumb. Scientists. I've met them. I've met yeah, them. It's, yeah. Um, it does, it's really I nothing. always tell my wife, archaeology is like easier than gardening. I cannot remember <laughs> the names of all those plants. Okay. Look. But, you know, it's just... It's cut and dried. It's simple. Because I've read your book, and I, and I failed to mention, you uh, and your co-writer wrote a book about the discovery of biblical Sodom and uh, called Discovering the City of Sodom. Is that the title, right? And it is particularly well-written, I have to say. I don't say that about a lot of books, but it's not just an amazing story, but it's well-written. But um, in getting to know you, I realized that you really are... I hate to embarrass people. Actually, I love to embarrass people. But, but you re- no, you really are brilliant. Uh, you know, you're not just some guy that you know digs around and finds stuff. Uh, you you really are an extraordinary scholar, um, and I and I and I know that. Uh, but the story of how you came uh, to do this excavation, I, I, I want I want you to tell that story. So we're, we'll go back to what was it, 1996? That's right. When in 1996 was it? Uh, I was I was leading a tour, a study tour. I had uh, Sodom and Gomorrah on the itinerary because there was a site toward the south end of the Dead Sea, over on the Jordan side of the Rift Valley, that many uh, scholars, including myself, uh, generally accepted as the site of Sodom. A little site called Babadra and an associate site called Numera. That was Sodom and Gomorrah for a lot of people, and I didn't have a problem with that. In fact, in, I think, 1993, I was in a, uh, a, a documentary that aired on CBS, I think, and... Uh, Touting Baba Dross, part of the team, touting Baba Dross as Sodom. Spreading the lies. Yes. Um. How do you feel? Well, I feel great. One of the reasons I believe I feel better is because I take Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule. They've got an amazing story of how this product was developed by Dr. Douglas Howard. It's right there on their website. Balance of Nature receives over a thousand success stories every single month. They have hundreds of thousands of customers who've purchased billions of capsules of their fruits and veggies over the past 20 years. You should check it all out on their website. Their products are gluten-free and non-GMO, and they contain no added sugars or synthetics. I think if you're looking for something to make you feel better, Naturally, you should definitely give Balance of Nature a try. In fact, order today. Whether you order online or call them direct, you must use the promo code ERIC to get the special offer of 35% off. Call them at 800-2468-751 and use discount code ERIC or order online at balanceofnature.com. Use discount code ERIC to get 35% off. Again, the number 800-2468-751. Use discount code ERIC or balanceofnature.com. Legacy Precious Metals has a revolutionary new online platform that allows you to invest in real gold and silver online. 
In a few easy steps, you can open an account online, select your metals of choice, and choose to have them stored in a vault or shipped to your door. You have access to a dashboard where you can track your portfolio growth in real time anytime. You'll see transparent pricing on each coin and bar. This puts you in complete control of your money. The platform is free to sign up for. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com and open your account and see this new investing platform for yourself. Gold hedges against inflation and against a volatile stock market. A true diversified portfolio isn't just more stocks and bonds, but different asset classes. This new platform allows you to make investments in gold and silver, no matter how small or large, with a few clicks. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com to get started. You're going to love this free new tool they've added, Legacy pminvestments.com legacypminvestments.com check it out you mentioned in your book that it was because of the work of a very eminent biblical archaeologist named Albright that it was pretty much established like this is this is biblical Sodom on the southern part of the there was, a, there was actually a shift. Back in the 19th century, virtually every single explorer scholar who went to that area, and many of them were Christians, and they had a Bible in and, and their spare time, and they were British surveyors and you know, a lot of time military surveyors, and you know, they're getting the lay of the land, and, uh, but many of them in their spare time uh, went around on horseback with a Bible over their saddle horn looking for biblical places following the text. And virtually all of them, except for one, but almost all of them, the famous ones, and Thompson and Condor and Wilson and so many others, they put Sodom at the northeast of the Dead Sea. In the 19th century. In the 19th century. The northeast part of the Dead Sea. Right. Okay. That's where they put it. But why? And they it put shifted. it there. Why? Because they follow the text. Genesis 13 is the verbal map. It's very detailed. It will take you to the side of Sodom. It's what I call a primary text. It is specifically written consciously by the author to take the reader to the side of Sodom. Okay, so in the 19th century, they didn't know where it was, but they thought it's around here someplace, or it would have been around here if it's discoverable. What happened in the 20th century? Well, the shift was that one of those guys, just one that I can find, uh, Edward uh, Robinson, who was another 19th century explorer scholar, went uh, to the Holy Land for a few months and went to the south end of the Dead Sea. He wasn't particularly a Bible scholar, uh, but went to the south end of the Dead Sea and decided it looked like a place God would have destroyed. (laughs) So he spun his own little etiological legend uh, from the look of the place and... um, for some odd because reason, it looked like a Albright, place God would destroy. Albright looked at Robinson's work and picked up on it and touted it as probably right. But yet Albright never ever in any of his writings does any textual analysis on Genesis 13, 1 through 12. Never touches the geography. Which is weird because Albright was a pretty respectable guy. Brilliant. Genius, actually. Yeah. And so when Albright um, did that, he knew that every site like Babadra and Numira and all the sites in the southern part of the Dead Sea, he knew that all of those belonged to what's called the early Bronze Age and were all out of business by 2400 B.C. at least, which everybody knew was hundreds and hundreds of years before the, any possible time of Abraham. So 700 years 
too early. Too early for Abraham. But he just kind of... Well, he said, here's what he said. Maybe, and it's science is never good when you start with a maybe and end with a maybe. <laughs> right? Maybe when the event occurred, there was an earthquake and the cities were actually just directly south of the Dead Sea on the, sitting on the rift sitting on the fault zone, and somehow possibly an earthquake happened and the ground sank and the Dead Sea water flowed in over them and covered that shallow southern, what became the shallow southern basin of the Dead Sea. Well, everybody took his protege, G.E. Wright, picked up on that. He spread that rumor and everybody spread that rumor. And the problem was, is well, for Albright, but He's long gone by now, but 20 years ago, the uh, Dead Sea levels began to drop. And now today, there's, there's no water in the shallow southern basin other than what they pump in there in the evaporative pans to get the minerals. But uh, archaeologists went down there and looked around. There's no pottery. There's, there's nothing. Nothing there. In fact, it's kind of a crazy idea that Albright had. Had he looked at the, at the topography, he would have realized that it's a terrible place to build a town or even put a village because every time it rains, the area fills up with water. It's a sump. It is the lowest spot on the face of the earth, after all. Literally. Literally. And so, um, not a good place. Nobody ever lived there. Every archaeologist now, 100%, knows that nobody ever lived in that area at the very, very south end of the Dead Sea. We know that today. We know that today, but he didn't know it then. But in 1924 when Albright makes this announcement or whatever. Nobody knew this, and it was just a nice idea. And people, well, I'm really fascinated. Uh, It's one of the themes of my book is Atheism, that how information travels or how bad ideas, you get stuck on a bad idea, and people are stuck on it for 100 years or, or, or whatever. That's kind of what happened here, isn't it? Yes, and it wasn't that everybody went that way. It's that Albright had so much power. Let me give you an example. There's a famous five-volume Bible encyclopedia, okay, published by Zondervan. You probably know that publisher. If you look up the article on Sodom, the writer is making a beautiful case. He's going through Genesis 13. He's making a beautiful case for a northern (laughs) Sodom. And I'm going, yes, right, yes, perfect. And then he says, but I'm not an archaeologist. And W.F. Albright is the greatest archaeologist, and he puts Sodom at the south end of the Dead Sea, so I suppose I have to defer to him. And I'm going, no, you don't. And so, um, by the way, if you go to Zoar, which is a related town, just over you know, to the Z volume of that uh, encyclopedia, and you look up Zoar, that writer makes a beautiful case for northern Sodom and sticks to his guns. Okay, but we, we have to go back in time. So in the 20th century, uh, most people accepted Albright's uh, conclusion that if Sodom existed, it's on the southern part of the Dead Sea. So even you in 1993 kind of bought that. And, but then in 1996, you go over there, and what happens? Well, we were, I think, spending the night in Beersheba, in Israel before we were going down, cross over it a lot, you know, to Aqaba. 
And so we're, we're there. So I know the next day we're going to head over to this right. traditional site. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to brush up on the story. So I get the Bible out and I read through the story. This was my very first moment, the aha moment, more or less. But anyway, I read the text to brush up on the story. I read through it. And I was so wait, very, so I was you very tired. Genesis thirteen. Genesis thirteen. It's night, In fact, I read day. Genesis thirteen through nineteen, and I got to the end of it, and I thought I must. I was tired. We'd been touring all day. I must be sleep reading. You ever sleep read where you're reading, and all of a sudden you realize the last three paragraphs, you have no idea what what it said. So I said, okay. So I sort of woke myself up, sat up real tall, and read through it. Three more times. I read through that text four times, and when I got to the end of it, I closed the Bible and I said to myself, not only is there nothing in this text that would locate Sodom toward the south of the Dead Sea, everything clearly locates it north and east of the Dead Sea. And I couldn't get past it. But we had just, we were now just starting to excavate. Um, in the, uh, up in the West Bank at a site called Kerbet El Machatir. And uh, we had just started. Didn't need a, I didn't need a project. Didn't need, didn't need to do this. But I thought, I thought someday, if, lo- if life sort of settles down and gets boring, I'm going to come back to this point because this is really bugging me. Why did I think it was toward the south? Why did everybody think it's toward the south? I want to know where it was. Now, I always tell people, I didn't care... If it's north, south, east, west, and Central Park, I don't care where it is. It doesn't matter to me. There's n- I have no dog in this fight. Why would I care? It's just that all of a sudden the text and what people thought weren't dancing. It wasn't happening And you for knew me. that Genesis is reliable, and so you're going to, if, if, if you're going to dig, you're going to dig where, where Genesis says it is. I mean, the Bible is the only place that really mentions Sodom. So, so you, got, you, you have to go with the text. Well, what does the text actually say? There's a lot of information embedded in that text that gives you geographical clues. It's very, very clear. So I took my, by the way, that night I reached over, got my itinerary, Sodom and Gomorrah. I put big question marks over the top of it. And I had, to, I had to fess up to the folks as I got them onto the site and was lecturing that... Um, the next day. Yesterday, early in the day yesterday, I would have said this was Sodom. Today, I'm not sure at all because the text doesn't seem to go. It's a nice site. You know, look around, have fun, but I'm really thinking it's not here anymore. Right. Wow. Mike Lindell and MyPillow employees want to thank my listeners for all your continued support. To thank you, they're having an overstock clearance sale right now for the best prices ever when you use promo code ERIC and you get free shipping for the entire order. Get 50% off the MyPillow 2.0 and the brand new flannel sheets that just arrived and won't last long. Get six-pack towel sets for only $29.98 and take advantage of the free shipping on larger items like mattresses and mattress toppers, 100% made in the USA on sale for as low as $99.99. Everything is on sale from the brand new kitchen towels that have the same technology as the bath towels that actually absorb dog beds, blankets, couch pillows, and so much more to get the best specials ever. Go to MyPillow.com, use promo code ERIC, Again, MyPillow.com. Use promo code ERIC. Remember, you get free shipping on your entire order. You can call 800-978-3057, 800-978-3057. Use promo code ERIC. 
Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful at lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question just the other night. I was asked that question. Well, the owners of Relief Factor tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and I agree with them. And the doctors who formulated Relief Factor for them selected the four best ingredients, yes, 100% drug-free ingredients, and each one of them helps your body deal with inflammation. Each of the four ingredients deals with inflammation from a different metabolic pathway. That's the point. So approaching from four different angles may be why so many people find such wonderful relief. If you've got back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or just getting older, you should order the three-week quick start discounted to only $19.95 to see if it'll work for you. It has worked for about 70% of the half a million people who've tried it and have ordered more. I'm one of them. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to find out about this offer. Feel the difference. Hey, this is Eric Metaxas. For years, I've told you about Nutramedics, a professional supplement brand trusted by doctors since 1993. Nutramedics offers a variety of health bundles. Whether you want to support your immune system, improve your sleep, promote joint comfort or detoxification support, Nutramedics has a health bundle right for you. The best part about Nutramedics, every year they donate a minimum of 50% of their profits to Christian charities and missions. That's right, 50% of their profits. Nutramedics has a goal of surpassing $100 million in giving, by 2030. Many of you take supplements already. Switch to Nutramedics. It's the highest quality and they donate 50% of their profits. Get 15% off by using the code ERIC during checkout. Go to Nutramedics.com and search health bundles. Support your health while helping others in need. Go to Nutramedics. That's N-U-T-R-A-M-E-D-I-X.com. Nutramedics.com. Use the code ERIC for 15% off. Again, Nutramedics, N-U-T-R-A-M-E-D-I-X.com. Nutramedics.com. Use the code ERIC for 15% off. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So... All right, so you, you have this moment in 1996, but you're busy, you're a busy archaeologist. When do you get to begin to test this theory? What year did you uh, think, maybe I can look into this? Well, we were excavating at uh, Kerbet el Mahatir um, up until uh, 2000. So we had a summer of 2000. We had a season there, and uh, the Intifada, by the end of the season, I mean, we were listening to the uh, Israeli gunships shooting at Ramallah just a couple of hills away, and so the Intifada was uh, heating up, and uh, that really killed the project for the next several years. Yeah. So we were done. Yeah. So that winter, 
So here's an archaeologist, and I've been used to it. I've been digging at Bethsaida. I've been digging at Kersey. I've been digging here and there, and now at Makater, and now i got nothing. What are we going to do? We, we need an excavation project. What's happening? And then I thought, ah, the Sodom issue. I'm, I need to write a paper. I need to write up my research on this. So I put in, it was just the right time of year, so I put in to present a paper at the Near East Archaeological Society the next November. And um, that, I knew if I didn't do that, I, would, I could be pushed off. I, I'd find something else to do or I'd get busy and forget about it. No, I said, I'm going to do this. It's bothering me. I want to do it. So I did it. And I presented that paper. And afterwards, um, I remember, after I got through, I remember Edwin Yamauchi, professor at um, University of Miami, Ohio, a uh, notable scholar, especially on Persia. Everybody else just kind of shuffling around. And I noticed that Dr. Yamauchi was making his way through the crowd like a salmon going upstream. <laughs> and he's making his way to me. And I think, he's going to hit me. He, he's going to clobber me. He's going to hit me with something out of left field. And um, he came up to me and he said, you're exactly right. And so at that moment, I thought, you know, um, maybe I'm not totally crazy. And um, there are, there's at least one other scholar who thinks this is reasonable. And it went on from there. So what, when did you... Uh, act on this. Okay, you, you, can, you can do all the research you want, but eventually you've got to get on the ground. So um, I presented the paper in 20, uh, 2021 in, in, in November, but... No, 2000, that, 2001. 2001. Yeah. Yeah, because we had our season in 2020. No, you mean 2000. Uh, yes, sorry. 2000. This is over 20 years yes, ago. Yes, I know. I, you know. <laughs> Just to be clear. 2000. Yeah. You're right. You're right. right. So 2000 and then 2021, I present a paper in November. 20, 2001. But before, but before 2001. Right. 22 years ago. Yes. 22 years ago. Yes. And bef- but we went to Jordan first. Right. I mean, I had already basically written the paper. But Danette and I and a couple of our friends... Um, headed to Jordan because we needed to get on the ground. We had to get on the ground. Now, part of the reason, you say this obviously in your book, that the consensus had gotten stuck on where it was was because of the hostility, the the tension between Jordan and Israel from the 60s into the 90s. Americans were not going over into Jordan to do a lot of archaeology. So that had changed by the time 2001. Yeah, our site had, this huge archaeological site had never been excavated. Ever. Well, KPROG did a, did a small trench on the far end of it, uh, way on the west in 1989-90. And uh, she lost a local worker, uh, lost, local worker lost a foot to a landmine. And uh, so they stopped. Well, we come to find out that the whole western half of the tell was landmined during the six, well, but, from sixty-seven to seventy, and um, so but, but, that's why archaeologists weren't going there. Okay, but, but so that so nobody had been uh, doing archaeology in that area, but this is the area that 
you're thinking the text says if Sodom and Gomorrah can be found, they're in this neck of the woods. So, so you go there uh, with the net in 2002, is it? One. In 2001. Summer. In the summer. And you, what do you, what do, you do? What do you do at that point? Well, the first thing you do as a scholar, the first thing you do is you go to the library. There's a wonderful archaeological library at, at uh, ACOR. In and, Jordan. Uh, in Jordan. Yeah. The archaeological center there. And uh, so we just start pulling books, pulling survey reports, pulling... Because what was interesting is that on all the maps that I could get from American sources, uh, Israeli sources, uh, European sources, that side of the Jordan River, northeast of the Dead Sea, was blank. There wasn't anything there. And I'm going, but the Bible tells me there's got to be something there. But when when we took off from the U.S. to head to Jordan, I had, a, I had nothing. I had a biblical, the biblical text that said, this is where it's supposed to be. It should be right here. I have maps, archaeological maps, that are blank. I'm going, okay, this is not boating <laughs> very well. Well, we get to ACOR, start looking at Jordanian surveys, multiple ones, uh, people that have uh, excavated in the region. Uh, at other sites, smaller sites in the area, what did we find? 14 major archaeological sites. Well, we needed five, right? Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, the Zeboim, the, the five cities of the plain. Uh, when we left the U.S., we had nothing. When we got through with our work at ACOR, we had 14. Well, now we had the opposite problem. We had too many. We'd like to help you Mike Lindell and MyPillow employees want to thank my listeners for all your continued support. To thank you, they're having an overstock clearance sale right now for the best prices ever when you use promo code ERIC and you get free shipping for the entire order. Get 50% off the MyPillow 2.0 and the brand new flannel sheets that just arrived and won't last long. Get six-pack towel sets for only $29.98 and take advantage of the free shipping on larger items like mattresses and mattress toppers, 100% made in the USA on sale for as low as $99.99. Everything is on sale from the brand new kitchen towels that have the same technology as the bath towels that actually absorb dog beds, blankets, couch pillows, and so much more to get the best specials ever. Go to MyPillow.com, use promo code ERIC, Again, MyPillow.com. Use promo code ERIC. Remember, you get free shipping on your entire order. You can call 800-978-3057, 800-978-3057. Use promo code ERIC. You know, it would have been roughly the same story because your book came out. What year did your book come out? 2013. 2013. But it is amazing that you are now officially done. That you have done this well, 16 we're, years. Where the easy part is done. Yeah. The fun and the easy part right. is done. Now, it's not that excavation is easy. Yeah. There's a lot of pains. Right. There's a lot of dealing with governments and agencies. And, but that part's finished. Now the hard part starts. The hard part and the expensive part of this whole thing is the analysis, the final publication, right. in uh, getting other scholars involved, to do cross studies and well, you've, all of that. Okay, but so, so I want to go back because you've <laughs> you've done plenty. It's like so amazing to me. So so you start 
actually excavating this unexcavated site, which is amazing that you're talking about this gigantic city that was there for thousands of years. Nobody ever excavated it. So you start in 2002, you start? 2005. 2005. It took five years of meeting at least twice a year with the director general of the Department of Antiquities to convince him to give us that permit. In Jordan? In Jordan. But you got it. We finally got it. Okay, so in 2005, you start. What year do you hit pay dirt, literally and figuratively? You don't go in. I mean, even though you have ideas in the back of your head, even biblical ideas in the back of your head, you don't just blow through stuff looking for... You're not Heinrich Schliemann. I mean, archaeology is you have to take everything seriously from the top... Everything in the Iron Age, Roman period, the Iron Age, going all the way down layer by layer. You have to document everything because archaeology is technically is a destructive process. You're destroying the very thing you're studying, and you can't put it back. So if you can't reproduce everything in three dimensions with measurements and photographs and all that, then um, it's lost. So everything has to be done. That's why it took... 16 seasons, 16 years to, and we're still, we still have eight or nine or maybe a 10 years left of processing and publishing all of but this the, stuff. But the year, you know, the, the sort of, uh, the inciting incident in the story, so to speak, is when you decide to do that, what do you call it, a test shaft? Or yeah, a, I mean, there was a, I wanted to know what the stratigraphy looked like, if we could possibly, you know, what are we looking at layer-wise? Yeah. And, of course, we tell, what, we tell the historical um, horizon that we're working in by the pottery. Yeah. The cultural or historical layer that we're dealing with is in the pottery. So as, as we do, and that's what I do. That's one of my... You're a ceramic typologist. Yeah, that's what I do. Right. So... Um, the upper city has a swale, right? It has kind of two high points at the end, and it has a low spot right in the middle. So I thought, okay, let's, let's put at least one quick probe, sondage, two by two meter, straight down, um, just to see what's in this place. We're already as low as we can get to start. Let's see what's below. So you have... So, so Sodom, according to the biblical text, you would assume was destroyed around 1700 B.C.-ish? We thought post, well, it had to be, if it's associated with Abraham, which obviously that's the story, uh, it has to be post-1800 uh, for, for a whole litany of reasons, right. uh, one of which, it's not unimportant, one of which is that all the cities and towns mentioned in the Abrahamic narratives, Hebron, Jerusalem, Dan, Shechem, Damascus, all of those cities were abandoned and unoccupied entirely from about 2500 B.C. down to about 1800 B.C. There was nobody at Jerusalem between 2500 and 1800 B.C. And all archaeologists know this. So um, you got to have, a, in the story, you got to have Melchizedek. you got to have the king of Salem, the king of Jerusalem. So to get Melchizedek, a city, you have to go post-1800. It just makes sense. Okay, so as you're doing your... Uh, layer by layer excavation. At some point, you decide to kind of speed things up and do this test shaft. You said two meters by two meters, yep. and so suddenly you're, you're you're going faster now. We went through we went through about 
I think, as I recall, about two, two and a half meters of Iron Age. And we eventually, we now know, after all these years, that we have four basic uh, Iron Age strata. And, um, but when we got down, as soon as we got down under the Iron Age, we got into this uh, very ashy matrix. So what year, roughly, uh, 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 we're talking around 1700 B.C. level. Yeah. So this is about the, the level... The latter part of the Middle Bronze II period. Okay, so, so, so now you're in the time when this m- destruction yeah. might have happened, right. and you actually discover ash. Yeah, we get down underneath the Iron Age, and all of a sudden the Iron Age stops... The pottery shifts to the Middle Bronze Age. That's a 700-year jump. So we went from 1,000. The Iron Age starts up here about 9th century, goes down to about 1,000 B.C., and then we jump from 1,000 B.C. down to about back to about 1,700 B.C. So There's 700 years There's an of no civilization gap. on this nothing, spot. Nothing there. Which is insane and strange. Because right. this is prime real estate. That's Why right. are there seven centuries with nobody living here? Right. Okay, so at the 1700 B.C. level, you find the soot and ash. Describe that uh, I mean, and the moment yeah. that you're, um, was it a graduate student that? Uh, yes. Um, Tell the story. Tell the story. um, You come to this ash. How deep is the the ash? Well, we don't know yet. And we never did find out because, well, I'll tell you what happened in in a minute. But we get down into this stuff. And it's, uh, we now know it it as the the MB2TDM. The Middle Bronze Age 2 Terminal Destruction Matrix. Okay. It's the, it's the, what's left over from the destruction of the city. And we didn't know how deep it was. We now know it to be across the upper tail about a meter and meter to a meter and a half deep. It's but, really, but just really again, to be clear, it's ugly. about 1700 B.C. You're, you're digging down. You get to this level, and you, it's ash. ash. And you can and smell this. Ash and other stuff. You would expect to find maybe some other things, maybe some decomposed mud brick, because these cities are built of mud bricks, uh, the, the, and they're not they're sun dried, so they would just melt in the rain. And so you would think, well, if there's 700 years here and the city just became abandoned for some reason, all of this mud brick stuff should melt, and we should have mud brick detritus, you know, fairly deep. We didn't hit any of that. We hit into this destruction matrix, what we eventually knew as the destruction matrix. But it's full of pieces of pottery. It's full of chunks of ash and carbonized wood and uh, pieces of everything you can imagine of buildings and bones. So suddenly you find... That you, I, I love these terms. You call this the destruction matrix. You, you find this bizarre... I mean, let's be honest. This is a bizarre phenomenon. You're, you're digging down, and, you know, your city, city, civilization, civilization, then suddenly, ash. And when you describe it, you say... What do they call it? The Cuisinart effect? That's what we eventually... I didn't name it that. One of, one of our uh, field supervisors said, you know, this is like the quiz. It's like the t- somebody took the city, threw it into a blender, and hit the button. 
and just ground everything up, and here it is all strewn together. Which is completely anomalous. Yeah. This is yeah. this has never it's, been it's seen. It's weird. I mean, I dug through destruction layers before, but this was a little bit on the weird side. A little bit on the weird side? Yeah. It's a little odd. <laughs> okay. But at the time, we didn't know anything about it. This was our first experience with it. It's just, it's destruction stuff, and you... We knew that. Okay. And we weren't going to find out much. Well, I'll tell you what happened. About three or four days later, a rain happened. And remember, this is in the swale. It's in the low part. That trench filled up with water. And we couldn't go any deeper. But we got what we got from that. But um, once we got down into it, just a little bit, uh, Carol Cobes. Where's Carol? Is Carol on? Is Carol in the room? Carol's in the room. They're, they're here somewhere. Carol, where? Where's where? Carol? There's Carol. That's the woman. She, she's down Carol, with the... Carol, I, I mention you in my book, Is Atheism Dead? I'd like you to have a copy. Um, <laughs> no, that, uh, it's, great, it's great to know that you're here. Because, okay, describe this moment that Carol is down there. She's down there. I mean, it's like almost, it's like three meters almost. So she's down there. And she says to me, this is weird. You need to see this. And okay, so I got down in there and I looked at this thing and uh, it's a piece of pottery, but it looked like glazed pottery. It has a greenish. Okay, when was glazed pottery invented? 700 AD? AD. AD. Yeah. So you got a problem. Yeah, Islamic pottery. It's like finding a G.I. Joe or a Rock'em Sock'em robot. Yeah, it's the, like, the game over. It's Game like, over. You found glazed pottery. It's 1700 BC. Yeah. Glazed pottery well, is not invented until 700 yeah. AD. So you now realize, I think we have a problem. Is yeah, I'm thinking contamination. How does this get here? What is a piece of? Well, I can't say exactly what I said. Right. What's what? What is a piece of Islamic oh, sure pottery well, doing? We edit all that doing out. three meters down in this trench. And then we pick, picked it up and looked at it. Oh, this Middle Bronze Age pottery, it's wheeled. Okay, ha- hang on. You, yeah. You're an expert. You're a ceramic typologist. You look at this thing, and you know in an instant this is a pithoid jar from... I mean, describe that, because you see it, you know exactly what you're looking at. This is 1700 B.C. This is the neck of a pithoid jar. That's from the shoulder jar. going on to the neck, just... Starting the curve up to the And you know it is from 1700 B.C. Yeah, I mean, it's consistent with the pottery that's in there with it. It's glazed. Well, it's uh, definitely got glass on it. And so we're looking at it going, that's just really strange. And so um, Gene Hall was there, who uh, a volunteer that year. And uh, he uh, was part of the Manhattan Project. And so pretty, and was there old, and was there guy. at the Trinity site when they blew up the first atomic bomb, and he well, he hang knew hang Sorry, this on. stuff. Hey, this is Eric Metaxas. For years, I've told you about Nutramedics, a professional supplement brand trusted by doctors since 1993. Nutramedics offers a variety of health bundles. Whether you want to support your immune system, improve your sleep, promote joint comfort, or detoxification support, Nutramedics has a health bundle right for you. 
Go to Nutramedics. That's N-U-T-R-A-M-E-D-I-X.com. Nutramedics.com. Use the code ERIC for 15% off. Again, Nutramedics, N-U-T-R-A-M-E-D-I-X.com. Nutramedics.com. Use the code ERIC for 15% off. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.